1: everybody welcome back to america's game episode number 26 i am your host eric vanek you can find me on twitter at eric vanek nfl and also joined by my co-host scott connor as always scott what's going on man
0: eric the season is finally over and a lot of people have spent the last couple days uh kind of not sure where to where to go with their leagues, a lot of commish issues, um, just a lot of chatter that we probably didn't expect. So I'll leave it at that. Every other podcast has talked about a lot of that stuff, so we're going to kind of steer away from talking about that. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. I'll just say that. I didn't expect, like probably most of us didn't expect the season to end like this, but uh, it did and dynasty we have to stay flexible we have to kind of just adapt and on the fly and that's kind of what this week's been about so good to be here glad to do an episode Uh, i think we have something a little bit unique and fun uh to do because i think the uh the idea to do this right after the season ends is the most interesting time but uh good to be here man
1: yeah i'm kind of glad the season's over honestly this year was uh was pretty a mental grind for me at least i um yeah, I just need a little break from, from everything it seems like right now. So I'm kind of glad that it's over. Get a little break, refresh, get into some startups here. I don't know, March, April, around that time. But just take a month or two off. Um, I'm usually not the kind of guy that gets grinded down, but maybe it's because I've done it for a couple years straight and nonstop, nonstop. And then now it's kind of finally just caught up to me after a couple years, I think. So... It's just nice to kind of get it over with, get a little bit of a break after uh, a long,
0: long season. Yeah. And there is that period where, I mean, we commission a lot of leagues. We do a lot of other things. I mean, I'm doing a bunch of different stuff at all the time. That has nothing to do with me managing my own teams and rosters and stuff. But there are logistic things that you always have to do. But at the same time, there is that like mental break you need away from the the strategy guide and the, you know, constantly. And I think part of it is to answer your question or not really a question, but to just respond to your statement. I think part of what you're feeling is the after effect of dynasty now becoming a, it's literally a minute to minute, hour by hour, day by day game. Used to not be that way. You used to be able to say like, okay, during the season, there's going to be stuff that moves the needle. There's going to be things that change. But now it's like, what do we talk about every week when we did our recap pods? Like every week there was almost something, multiple somethings, like groundbreaking events that happened. Injuries, you know, trades, just a bunch of stuff where it's like, you have to con your mental energy has to always be on high if you want to stay at the top of your game, right? And I feel that. And I have... I've considered myself to be somebody that's very resilient and literally able to just go at the go through the wall all the time in my regular life and my, you know, content creation life. But when you constantly have to be on like high alert all the time, sometimes there's a point where it's just like, I just need to stop. I need to just back off. I can't devote the mental energy it takes to be like at the very, very top of your game, you know? And that, that's what dynasties become. Like if you're a content creator, especially that has your hand in multiple things. I mean, I'm doing how many things every week, you know, five or six things every week. Like I have to basically, I feel like I constantly need to be on social media, in the chats, in the discord, in the group me's, reading Twitter. Like, I feel like I need to do that eight hours a day to stay on top of my game. And I know that's not healthy. And I also know that I probably don't have to do that. It's not like people are going to go, oh, you're, you're not as smart or you're not as knowledgeable because you don't do that like that shouldn't be the expectation for something that largely we're doing out of a hobby but you feel that way you feel pressured like man if i'm not on top of every single piece of breaking news and every single change of things that happen like daily with players with teams with coaches with all that stuff like you feel like you're falling behind so i think it's just that rat race we get caught up in like man every day i have to be on top of everything and there's some days where it's like dude i don't have the capacity to do that you know, so it's. I think that's kind of what the that's what the, the game is now, man. It's a it's like a social media engagement game, you know, and a lot of what we do is connected to other people in chats and constantly always having to be social with people and it can just be draining. So I don't know if that's different, but it wasn't it wasn't this way when we first started playing, you know. Like you and I would just like call each other on the phone and just talk about this stuff. But now it's like we don't ever really do that other than when we're doing the podcast. But it feels like we're talking about it even more and more and more. You know what I mean? So I I get it. I definitely can uh, empathize with where you're at. So you got to take the time you need so that you can come back refreshed in a month and actually be excited again.
1: Yeah, that would be nice if if that happens. But right now, just kind of just completely drained. I think another part that you brought up that I didn't really think about is it really is year-round because for us, um, doing commissioner duties, so finding orphan owners, setting up the orphan sheets, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, we run, I don't know, 8, 10 leagues, something at this point, and doing that on top of... You know, the regular season stuff, too, and getting all that situated, getting settings and rookie drafts and all that coordinated. Yeah, it, it's it's literally a year round thing right now. So, yeah, I think I'm just kind of drained right now from it. Just kind of looking to take a month or two off, just sit back and actually watch and enjoy the playoffs. That'll be nice, too. Um, don't really have any stakes in it. Just kind of just as a fan, just sit back and watch it and see how it goes. And then, obviously, we had um, the college uh, playoffs last weekend, too. That was really exciting. Both uh, playoff games were really exciting. So, looking forward to uh, watching that championship game, too, even though I think Georgia's going to probably bully them around and beat them up pretty good. But, um, yeah, I mean, i just kind of looking forward to the championship now and the playoffs, honestly.
0: Well, and I'll just say this. Everybody out there that listens that – Grinds like we do, even if you don't create content or you're not in, you know, 30, 40 leagues or more, or you're not commissioning a dozen leagues or, you know, whatever, you don't want to lose the excitement for why you're here in the first place. This is not a job to very, 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 very few people. It's a job. Like, I know a couple people out there that actually play or create content for a living, and that is their career and that is their job. I mean, in just real talk, like this is something where people have come to me before and they're like, yeah, are you interested in doing this? Are you interested in, you know, working in the industry on a bigger level or, and it's like, I would never want to be in a position where that, that becomes a conflict with what you love. You know what I mean? But that's what the NFL has become, man. The NFL is a year round sport. It is designed that way. And then when you throw a fantasy game or a dynasty game on top of that. Like I can sit here and say, Eric, yeah, you can take off until April or May, but you know what? You're going to miss like two of the funnest months of the year. You know, the combine, the scouting and the rookies and stuff like that's, that's part of the, that's almost more fun than the season. You know, like you don't want to miss that, but then you get to like, you know, July and August and you're like, oh, you can take a break in July and August, but Eric doesn't take a break in July and August. You're the one grinding the training camp notes and the preseason. Like you love that too. And then obviously like May and June is like rookie draft season, you know, like when do you get your break? Cause I could argue there's little mini seasons within the calendar year that have nothing to do with football games, but those are probably just as fun for you as the actual season, you know? So you got to find your spots and you got to take care of yourself from like a, you know, mental health standpoint. It has to be something that you're like, I, you know what? I haven't thought about my dynasty teams in a month. I'm actually excited to go back and look at, look at some of them and see what I can do. If that doesn't come back, then you kind of got a question like, what are you doing? Truthfully. And I think we all have to do that to whatever level you're in, you know, you're invested in, whether it's a money thing or a time thing. Like if you don't come back and have that passion, even if it's not the same passion, it was five years ago. If it's not burning there somewhere, then what the hell are you doing? So, I mean, that's just, a, that's just a real thing. You know, and I think a lot of us feel that that create content that, that play fantasy, that gamble, DFS, whatever it is. Like, you can get caught up in that to where it's like, dude, I'm just drained. It's not even fun anymore. And as soon as you start saying it's not even fun, what are you doing? What are you doing? This isn't your living, you know what I mean?
1: Right. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely not that. It's just, uh, I think, just years and years of doing all this stuff is just kind of caught up with no breaks, really. So, Yep. Um, I think uh, also, obviously, a, a disappointing... Week seventeen, um, just a lot of a lot of players shit the bed again. Didn't do anything stat wise. I think that that has a lot to do with it for me too. Just of how disappointing it is. You get to your championship games and everybody just shits the bed completely, and it's just uh, it's yeah, it's frustrating as hell. So. Yeah, that's that's all I really got with that one, man. It was uh it was a kick in the dick.
0: Yeah. You know what though? That's just the uh the icing on top. You know, you kind of almost right. have to think about sometimes I mean, I'll just we'll, we'll end this discussion because we could literally just go on a tangent about not it's not necessarily even a dynasty or football show at this point, but sometimes you got to think you got to sit back and you got to say, "Okay, like there could be a lot of things that happen to you on a daily basis, you know?" Bad things, negative things, things you gotta you gotta interrupt everything and go deal with. But sometimes even if those aren't happening, it is healthy for you to sit back and say, okay, well, what if it did? Do I have the capacity to handle it? Physically, mentally, whatever. Like, do I have the capacity to take it on? And if the answer is like if that happened, I'd be ruined, that's probably not a good place to live. You know what I mean? If just one bad day or, you know, hey Eric, if your teams that are in the championship don't perform this week, your next couple weeks is going to be hell. Like think about that before you set yourself up in those scenarios the next time, you know what I mean? Like give yourself a little forgiveness, give yourself a little capacity to deal with stuff that pops up and you know, you're like, this isn't happening yet, but if it did, it doesn't completely wreck everything, you know? So that's something I think about all the time when you're just going, go, 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 and you don't give yourself any sort of breaks. And you're like, what if something gets disrupted and like you got to go deal with something else? Like, what do you do? You can't just quit. So this word of the wise to everybody that's, uh, you know, constantly up, uh, running on empty, but going full board. So.
1: Right. That makes sense. So another thing you wanted to talk about, too, was uh, what we learned from twenty twenty two you know, fantasy wise, dynasty wise, whatever. Um, so I'll let you take the floor on that. Anything that you uh you wanted to talk about or bring up and I'll just kinda chime in off of you.
0: Yeah, I mean it kind of speaks to what we were already talking about a little bit is when you're you're looking at players that didn't perform. Like I think this year has humbled me from a perspective of more than ever, and I've talked about this for years that there's a level of variance and randomness that exists in a game that we play. I mean, look no further than we have a player, you know, basically almost die on the field and no one could have seen that coming. No one could have predicted that that could happen. No commissioner or no league is going to have bylaws to cover that, you know, like, and that's an extreme example of variance, but just random variance that happens every single week, every single game, every single player. I think this has really made me appreciate how much we don't know. We can sit here and say, oh, I project this to happen. I think this is going to happen. But as soon as we start zooming in on like individual specific things and saying for sure, like, yep, I know how this is going to go or I know how that's going to go, like we can quickly get humbled by the fact that we just don't you know, sometimes we're right, but more often than not, we're not right. And many times we're on the complete opposite end and it's just variance. So I think that that's something that I've learned that when you're playing a game of chance, when you're playing a game like fantasy football or dynasty football, like that, you can never be so sure about what's going to happen and, and let that be a big dictator in how you play. So, I mean, we talk all the time about, we play in a lot of leagues, we do portfolio, we we try to, diversify, you know what I mean? But think about that more so than, because we all get caught up in thinking, okay, I know this is going to happen. So I'm just going to do it this way because I know that's correct. Well, what if it's not? So it's it's really, but any decision you make, sit there and acknowledge that there's almost never more than a 60% chance you're going to be correct. And let that kind of guide how you play. Let that how you approach playing you know whether that's you you start playing other sports you are you start playing other games or it's just the way that you build your teams you know you you diversify the way you build your teams you protect yourself for outcomes that you don't really think are going to happen but you also acknowledge that are possible so i think just inserting the word variance and understanding it and understanding that it exists in a really really high degree uh in dynasty well, that's the biggest takeaway for me it's kind of slapped me in the face this year you know you think you're going to do one thing and then you don't and it's like, what, Eric? You, okay, you had a bad week, six, week, week seventeen. What did you do wrong? What did you do wrong? And the answer can't be, "Oh, well, I, I picked the wrong players." You you know that you know that's not something you can fix next year by just making sure you foresee the future and get them all right. So, what did you do wrong? You know, if you look at your teams and you go, "Yeah, they just didn't perform." Mm. Okay, the only the only thing you probably could have done is maybe spread out your risk a little bit more, or you know, but like. It's not like you built your teams the way you didn't want to build them. So, I mean, I think just got to respect that variance a lot more than a lot of us do. So that's that's what I learned the most this year.
1: Yeah, I agree with all that. And there's really, like you said, there's really nothing you can do if a if a whole bunch of players completely shit the bed. You know i I can't change that. Nobody can really change that. So, you're gonna play. You know. Besides last week, um, before that, like, Devontae Adams had, like, three straight weeks of shitty games. You can't change that, you know. Nobody can really change that. Everyone thought he was going to smash the rest of the year, get these 15 target games and all that. But, Mike Evans, you
0: know, Tom Brady put up 100 points combined if you had that stack. Yeah. Somehow in the finals, you, you beat everybody. You beat every single, pe- every single person that had any other quarterback and receiver.
1: Who yeah, would have thought? They, and they hadn't done shit all year. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's, that's crazy. I think the, the one thing I learned is is just kind of reaffirming, you know, what we have talked about for a couple years now is having those two elite quarterbacks is king. Um, obviously, if, you know, you had Lamar or Kyler, it didn't work out for you because they got hurt. But if you have the two that stay healthy, if you had Mahomes and, and Jalen Hurts, I mean, Jalen did get hurt there at the end, too. But Mahomes and Josh Allen, whoever it is, you know, those two quarterbacks could pretty much just carry you from week to week. And every single week, it seems well, like except for Josh Allen, who is going to take a zero. Yeah, <laughs> but nothing I can. You
0: can do I, I think th- the fact that you brought up Lamar, Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, and those were three guys that either were not available or gave you zero right, last week. Uh,
1: j- to get you there though that they were they were king i don't i don't think for that, sure i don't think that philosophy is changing like these if you want to if you want to invest next year and say oh well, i'm just going to take jared goff and daniel jones later so i can draft justin jefferson and ken walker and cd lamb in my first three rounds and then rounds four and five i'm just gonna get daniel jones and goff like good luck to you like i don't think it's gonna work out for you um That's just not how I want to play. I want to have those elite quarterbacks. I want to make sure I trade up for them if I can. Um, Like, I at least have one of them. Like, I don't have to have two of them. It'd be nice if I could and really have that advantage over the league. Um, But I'm, you know, more willing to just make sure I at least get one of them and do whatever I need to do. And then these two tight end, uh, two point tight end leagues for, for premium start two tight ends like having those those tight ends like those top ones are king too like if you i know i had one team this year that was kelsey and andrews and um i had tyler higby as well i mean those got those three at points this year really carried me and just won me weeks just on their own so in these like uh highly premium tight end leagues you know, I'm going to value those, those high end tight ends a lot more too. So that's, that's just another thing that I kind of learned this year as well.
0: Yeah. It's funny with you mentioning the quarterbacks, like you kind of affirmed your point and my point at the same time with like the variants you couldn't control with the injuries and stuff like that. But at the same time, like if you had any combo of those three quarterbacks that you mentioned, you probably got far enough to where, especially like Jalen hurts Lamar Jackson, like they didn't play. So you at least would have gotten yourself, you know, to the point to where you would have been able to make a different decision. It's not like you were, you're screwed with having them in a lineup and then they give you a zero, you know, that's a different thing. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, what we have planned for the show today, we're kind of run through uh, an example of what you're talking about. But my last question for you is, do you think we're at the inflection point to where it's almost impossible to do that strategy that you mentioned? because so many people are thinking the same way, are we at the point where at best you kind of settle for the, you get one stud and then you get a couple other guys around the stud and you probably have to have three quarterbacks because like, it's really hard for, you know, to go trade for one of the studs. If you don't have one, like it's not even that you can't even trade everything on your roster. A lot of times the pre- the people that have them just don't trade them. They refuse, you know, like I'm, I'm one of those guys. If I have, Like Justin Herbert, I'm just not trading him. The only way I trade him is if you give me one of the other guys in the top eight or nine. And that kind of defeats the purpose as to why you would want to give you, you'd want to come get him in the first place, right? You probably want two of the elite guys together. You don't want to trade. I mean, do you really want to trade Joe Burrow for Justin Herbert? Who cares? You know, like they're probably right in the same tier. So like, it just feels like those deals are few and far between. You have to have the right manager that's willing to pivot when you want to pivot the other way. And in startup drafts, like Ray's talked about it. Like if you pick at the end of a startup, you're just screwed. And if you pick in the first four or five, six picks of the startup, there's no way you're trading back. The only way you trade back is if you're like, okay, I can pick up, you know, I can go from Burrow to Dak and get like a first plus, you know, like it's gotta be an extremely good deal for you to even consider it because it's, you now have to build, even if you got the one Oh six and you didn't want to take on the team that got Mahomes. Allen, you didn't want to pick the QB6 because you think there's a tier break there, right? You still know if you trade back, you now have to build your team in a way you don't even want to build it. So, in a startup, it's kind of like if you have a bunch of people that are committed to building the way you want to build, none of those people are willing to go, Oh, I'll trade my first, I'll go back to the second and build with three shit ass quarterbacks. You know, no one really wants to do that. So, even in a startup, I just don't see a lot of people giving us those trade-up deals like we might have tried to get the last couple of years. So, I mean, what yeah. do you think about that? Do you think we're at that point where you just get into a lot of leagues and it's like nobody will even move those picks?
1: I could see it going that way, but people just love to trade. They love to accumulate picks, so I could see it going both ways. We'll see how it goes this year. I mean, we're going to – I'm sure me and you are both going to be in startups um, within the next couple months, starting up or whatever, before the draft. And we can talk about it on here. That's one thing I, d- I definitely want to talk about is, like, our experience in startups and how how they're going and what we're seeing um, to kind of relay to the listeners.
0: Are you going to be – because, I mean, Ray's mentioned this. I've heard him mention it, like, five times already on shows. Are you going to be one of those guys that, if you're going to do more leagues, you want to do auctions?
1: Like, no, do you open
0: to b- either – so you would do a snake startup where it was just a random draw, and you could get like the one eleven, you'd be fine with that.
1: Yeah, I think I'm fine with that right now. Yeah, I think okay. um I and we, couple of our leagues that we did Dynasty Masters and the Gamers League, um, I liked doing those before the NFL draft and actually having the, the rookie draft picks in the startup as well. Um, because right. I remember that's where I got Barkley at like the one o nine, like people will be able to draft the 101, you know, in that first round, maybe at that 111 pick, you know, Hey, I can get Bijan there. Might might not be ideal with trying to want to get quarterbacks and stuff, but um, yeah, it it gives you a lot more different options um, in the draft. So I like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think if you're going to do it that way, you, you are subject to some some randomness of where you pick uh, and you're also subject to I think what Ray talks about when he's when he mentions is he's assuming if he's doing a league, he's probably doing a league with a bunch of the the DD people. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are leagues you can get in where you know people aren't thinking the exact same way.
1: I, like, I think um, just quickly butt in there. I think one thing to do is if you do a stake startup, I think it's got to be third round reversal. Yeah, I think that's the only
0: fair way to like really do it right now um i think that's i think that i think that's fair and i think also like i mean i hate to say it but if you're gonna join let's say you're gonna join five new leagues this year maybe it's not a bad idea to do one or two of those with different people people that are not the same people that you talk to every single day like between the discord and the dnc patreon i could never do a league again with somebody that's not in those meaning every single other person in the league is from those two groups there'd be there's plenty of people where I could start 20 new leagues and get different people in all of them, and it still wouldn't be enough to fill more people than what are in those chats, right? But do, do I necessarily want to? The only people that I want to play against are the same people that are kind of on the same page with how you want to play. Sometimes it's good to go and find the random league that has nine people that you've never met anybody, and you're like, you know what? I'll jump into this one, you know, like, and that can give you. That alone can give you enough of a different flavor to where you maybe feel like you can build a team a little bit differently, even if it's a snake draft from a different slot that you don't feel like it's, oh, just another startup where I'm going against Ray and Scott and, you know, blah, blah, the same people, you know, like, you know, pretty much what we're all going to do for the most part. So I think you spread around, it's not just spreading around the types of leagues you play in, but it's also spreading around the people you play with is a good idea. Like, not every one of your leagues needs to be with me. You know? Like, that... I think that's a that's a... I know you want to get into good leagues, trustworthy leagues, active leagues, and all that stuff, but sometimes it's fun just to go play with random people that don't see the world like you do.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. There's there's some leagues like that that, you know, I think have been fine that I've joined with, with new pe- people and doing it that way. There's also some... some real fucking... Characters that I don't want to play with anymore, too, from those leagues. Um, just like the no trade deadline leagues, and these assholes just try and buy their championships and stuff. I fucking hate it. I can't stand it anymore. I'm done with it. Uh, if you got to have a fucking trade deadline, unless it's with people that I trust, none of this doing it with random assholes anymore. I can't do it.
0: All right. All right. Well, that's a topic for a different time because, uh, that's the most passionate I've heard you say anything in the last week. So, your your voice oh, really you haven't you, you
1: haven't heard the other stuff.
0: Oh I know. There's a lot of stuff that I haven't <laughs> heard. But your your voice really got excited when you made that comment. Like you could tell there was some there's some real
1: Yeah passion like, behind tra- those words. Doing trade deadlines with people or non trade deadlines with the people from the communities, people that I've talked to, and they get it like you know, they're making fair trades, but like these these ones that are just like Buying championships and stuff, or trying to—I can't take it anymore. I can't fucking do it, dude. I'm just tired of them. Yeah, I mean, listen—I think that's my way to protect myself. Is if I'm going to join a league with randoms, it's got to have a trade deadline. Otherwise, I'll just want to—I'll just be pissed off again.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, I get it. I get it. I think one of the most important things. I mean, and I'm an—I am very outspoken about. I don't like trade deadlines, but that's just me in life in general, the less constraints and parameters on a lot of things, I, I prefer less constraints and rules, you know what I mean? But I do think that there is an element that can be lacking. And I think we saw it this year a little bit too, is when you have a league with no trade deadline, you need to be whatever side of the leverage you're on, whether you're the seller or the buyer, you need to have the ability to really use your position to your strength, you know. Like there, if you think about it in a utopian world, the people that are selling to the contenders in a no trade deadline league, as long as they sit there and go, you know what, I'm not going to give you a break just because I'm out of it and you're playing for something. That's all you need. That's all you need. It doesn't mean you're not going to make a fair deal, but I'm not going to just cut you some slack because I'm out of it. And you know, you're not, you know, like you have to truly still evaluate what you're doing and be able to convince the league that it's the best for your team. And that's it. And if you can justify that, I can't really have a problem with it. Whether I know you, whether you're a random person that I never played with. Uh, But yeah, sometimes you do see trades and it's just like, you you can't see the justification on the side of the person selling for, like they couldn't convince you what they were doing. They don't have a plan. You know, it's kind of like, oh, screw it. I'm not going to benefit. But that means that other people are going to get pissed off too. So I'm just going to see what happens. So right. that's all you got to have some, you always have to have principles, even if you're out of it. It's like, dude, I'm not giving you a break. I, I want you to win. I I mean, I would do it to you.
1: Right.
0: Like, I like you. I want Eric to win, but I'm not going to go behind the scenes and go, Eric, hey, I'm, I'm going to cut you a deal that I wouldn't offer anybody else in the league. You know? Now, if you don't take it, you also can't be like, oh, hey, come on, hook me up. You know what I mean? Like that, that's not how it works. You just got to have principles and stick to them and right. then I'm fine with it. Right.
1: All right, on to the non-less depressing shit. Are you ready to move on to the next part?
0: Yeah, this, this should be fun. We'll, we're going to run through this, and uh, it'll give us some really kind of early looks on um, what we were just talking about a couple minutes ago.
1: Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a three-round startup mock. It's going to be super flex, tight end premium, 1.75 premium for tight ends. You know, just your normal league start, one quarterback with a super flex, two running back, three receiver, one tight end, couple flexes, start up, you know, start 10 or 11, 12, something like that. Um, and we're just going to go um, go over what we would be doing um, in a startup mock right now. Um, I don't care who goes first, if you want to go first or if, if, don't matter to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, we won't we won't necessarily here. Here's what I want to do. Cause I liked this idea. Eric proposed this idea to me the other day. Like, Hey, let's do a startup mock. I, I don't necessarily want to, at least I'm not going to, I don't necessarily want to talk about why I have this player over the other. You get a lot of that. Like, that's not what our show has ever been about. We are never a show that's going to go, Hey Eric, I like this player over that player. But I think they're better, you know, like whatever, like you can have your reasons as to why you make a pick, but I think we should be zooming out on this and, and really trying to kind of like figure if we were reading a room in a real startup, like what would we be doing, given that we have all different teams? You know, I know it's just you and I making the picks, but just trying to really get a pulse on like, OK, if this was me in this spot on the board, what would I be looking to do? So I'm not going to talk a whole lot of why I'm picking a player. It's going to be more of the strategy behind why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I'll start. I mean, I, I would go Patrick Mahomes first in a startup. Uh, I think I just think he's the best quarterback in the league, and his fantasy scoring's been you know top three every single year. Um, kind of look at Mahomes and say like, wait till he wait till he gets an elite set of weapons. You know, like what if they just lock into some good weapons over the next couple years, and he's already like the QB two. So I I think I'm just all in on Mahomes. I think he's if I have to pick first, like he'd be the he's still the number one player in dynasty for me.
1: Okay, yeah, I agree with that. That's pretty easy for me uh as well i'd probably go mahomes i think i would go josh allen here with uh with the 102 pick he's still you know on fantasy points he's still way up there with with all these guys um running ability is right up there he's gonna he's pretty much like their goal line back he's gonna get you at least five six touchdowns on the ground too every year he's got digs um They're going to probably be in a a decent spot to maybe draft another playmaker there at the end of the first round. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of running backs in this uh, free agent class that I think could really help them as well. So I think that'll only help Josh Allen a bit more too. So I'm going to go with Josh Allen at the uh, the 102.
0: All right, expected. Uh, Same for me. I'll go Jalen Hurts, 103. I, I think he's basically where Lamar Jackson was three years ago. He's in the same spot. Uh, doesn't run as much as Lamar, but I mean, I just think for fantasy, there's a really no scenarios where other than when he's hurt, there's no scenarios where he's not in the top six or better. Like he's just going to be there. Uh, and he's, you know, attached to an offense that is going to be at least for this foreseeable future. You know, you probably can look at a two or three year window where they're going to be right up there in the top, you know, five offenses in the league. So I think he's really just bulletproof. So I think he's just by default QB three. That's not a slight to any others, but just where he's at in his career, like likely going to get a big extension. Like this is the the perfect time to latch on. I would easily take him one or three.
1: Okay. Yeah. I agree with that. Jalen's probably would have been my uh, other pick as well. So I agree with that. Uh, My next pick here, a little bit of a debate for me between Burrow and Herbert. I think I'm gonna go with. Um, I think I'm gonna go with Joe Burrow just because he has the better weapons right now. He's got, obviously, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, two of the the best weapons in the league. Burrow can run a little bit too. It's not like he's a complete zero on on the ground running. Um, and I just like the player. I mean, I like Herbert too, but I, I've always really liked Joe Burrow and liked how he played the game. So I'm gonna go with Joe Burrow on that one.
0: Yeah, You know, I will never argue uh, with Burrow. I mean, he's he's pretty much done everything you could have expected. You know, I don't think he has the I don't think he has the ceiling of somebody like Jalen Hurts and probably Mahomes. Uh, but you never know. You know, I don't think anybody would have expected that he was gonna be, you know, top four quarterback this year either. So I I can't argue with it. I think Herbert's in the same tier. I'll take Herbert one oh five. I think Herbert really is just missing the infrastructure around him and even when he's missing the infrastructure around him, like he's still gonna give you probably top eight numbers. I mean, this year he's fallen behind a little bit, but even in his like worst case scenario, which I think he's what he's in right now, he's still gonna give you top 12 numbers. So I'll go Herbert and just hope the infrastructure around him changes a little bit. And then he could be right back to where he was last year and the year before. So I think he pretty easy 104, 105. Burrow and Herbert are right there. Flip a coin. Yeah. You know, I I think I would probably be like, if I have more Burrow, I would take Herbert. If I have more Herbert, I would take Burrow. You know, I don't even really care. This portfolio move, they're that close.
1: Right. I agree with that. Uh, So next here, I think I would still, still, well, yeah, I, can, I can go him too. It's between Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson for me. So I know, like, people might not have Watson this high still. I think I'm going to go with Deshaun Watson, though. I just think he's obviously a better passer than Lamar. Um, He did show that he can run the ball still pretty well um, coming back this year. And I think things are only going to look up for him um, in this offense. He's going to have Nick Chubb there. Uh, Cooper should be back this year. He's got Njoku. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Deshaun Watson on this one.
0: Interesting. Okay. Honestly, it makes my decision a little tougher because the next two players were ones I was debating over. I like Deshaun, too. I think he's still in that tier of, like, if you're in the top eight or nine in a startup, like, I have no issues with him as my top QB. I think I will go... I think I'll go Justin Fields. I think I'll go with Fields just because I think he's basically at an earlier stage in his career as some of the other quarterbacks that are available. And, you know, we saw this year, the only worry with fields is obviously like how often he's been injured and how often he's been banged up. Like that's literally going down a scary path. Um, but you can also argue that he's, he, he can get into a situation that's a lot better than where he is. So he's got to, you know, obviously got to be better from an efficiency standpoint to keep on this trajectory, but I'm comfortable taking him here. So I'll go fields 107.
1: Okay, yeah, I could see that with his rushing ability and all that. You know, he's right up there with with all those guys. So I agree with that. Uh, I'm gonna take the other guy I was considering, and I'm gonna go with Lamar Jackson here. I think the only reason I took uh, Watson over Lamar is I think Watson's just a better passer for me. Um, Lamar's been also been getting beat up a little bit here the last couple years. He's missed ba- basically the last two playoffs for you, so it's kind of hard to to trust him a little bit there with the health. Then there's also possibly being traded, being on someone else's team next year instead of Baltimore, or can he work out a deal with Baltimore? You know, we still got to see that. Um, There's rumors of maybe Atlanta would be a good spot for him. I mean, he'd have Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Sign me up for that. I think I think Lamar has shown that he can support two weapons, and if his two weapons that he's supporting is uh Kyle Pitts and Drake London, yeah, sign me up for that. So um, I'm gonna go with Lamar Jackson on that one.
0: Yep, that was my uh, debate between Fields and Lamar. You didn't take either when you took Watson, so he's clearly still in that tier. I mean, listen, you can say he's kind of on the downward slope of his career at this point, but you could also picture that he goes somewhere different and we can see a Lamar that we've never seen before. You know, I can see both outcomes, but even as long as he just stays a starter, he's still going to be there for fantasy. I mean, he's QB five this year in points per game. So it's like, even if you classify this year as a complete bust, like he's still like his floor is so extremely high and his ceiling. Yeah, Honestly, his ceiling is probably higher than any quarterback in the league as well. So like that, I know I've been big on the Lamars going to Atlanta. He's definitely getting traded. Cause I just don't see Baltimore you know signing him like it's pretty clear they don't want to pay him what he wants paid and it seems like he might be kind of checked out on the the ravens at this point so hopefully he goes somewhere else and we get some nice stacks like you were talking about uh i'll go trevor lawrence 109 i think he's kind of like a younger mini version of herbert i mean I, i if if i told you next year lawrence is in the burrow herbert tier would you be shocked
1: No, not at all. I mean, that keep trade cut already has him up there. Like he's above. uh, They have him at uh, quarterback six above Lamar Fields, Kyler, Deshaun, all those guys already. So I think that's a little too high. But he's on the back end of that tier.
0: Well, and there's that's also very, very much recency bias too. Like they're obviously going to put him below. You know, they're going to put Watson and Lamar below him because well, people don't really like those guys anymore. So yeah, I think Lawrence clearly 109. Again, like you might draw the 108, 109 and you're like, man, that sucks. I don't get a high pick. I I saw someone ask in the Discord like a week ago. can't remember who it was, but I think they drew the 107 in a startup mm-hmm. and they wanted to know if they give up their 107 and a 24 first for the 101. I'm not doing that. Mm. It's not even that I'm trading, you know, Watson and a first for Mahomes. It's... I'm building a brand new team. And the first move I make is not to give up my 24 first for a quarterback upgrade when I'm already still in the tier. You know what I mean? Right. I'm just not doing that. You can sit here now in an existing league where you already have an established team and you say, okay, I want to get um, a home share. And I, all I have to trade is Trevor Lawrence and a first, okay. I'd be fine with that. But in a startup, no. That, that's, that's the opposite move of what you should be doing. In fact, you can also argue if you can trade back from the 101 and you can get two picks and pick up like an extra first. You know what I mean? Like you you could consider doing that. It wouldn't be comfortable. But as long as you stay within this quarterback tier, I'll be fine with it. So, yeah, 109 mm-hmm. is still a good spot. Okay.
1: Yeah, so coming up here on the 110 – you know, I have a couple questions. Do This is where it starts to creep into mind, okay, do I go with the top receiver or maybe the top running back that I have, or do I take the last quarterback that I think um, is there? So I'm going between Kyler and Dak here, personally. Uh, Kyler's got the ACL tear he's going to come off with. He's already been uh, talked about as maybe not being ready for week one next year. I think that's a little still 50-50. We'll see how he recovers and all that. Um it's kind of like on a similar um timeline that Burrow was on. It was probably about the same time they he cut his or Burrow tore his ACL. Um, it was like, you know, week 9, week 10 or whatever it was. Um so yeah, they they babied Joe Burrow that whole off season. You know, he didn't play any preseason games obviously. He wasn't get didn't get hit until the first game out there against Minnesota. Um, So yeah, I think that scares me just a little bit And I think Dak is still pretty solid I don't think there's anything wrong with Dak I think they're going to want to pass the ball a little bit more next year too um, And Dak's proven he's one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league uh, He can still run the ball just a little bit if he needs to It's not like he was in his younger days uh, It slowed down just a little bit But it's, it's still uh, relevant enough So I'm going to go Dak Prescott here with My last quarterback of the tier that I feel comfortable with
0: yeah, I agree with you. I would take Dak over Kyler. So, Kyler tore his ACL a month after Burrow. Okay. He just had his surgery yesterday. Right. He not only had an ACL tear, but a meniscus repair. So, very unlikely he's back till Holy halfway corn. through next year. And I can almost assure everybody, I know Jeff talked about this in the chat, but like, he's probably not going to be 100% at all next year. Now, on the contrary, you know what? When we're talking quarterbacks in this tier, I don't care. Is it exactly how I wanted to build my team? No. The only argument by not taking Kyler with this next pick at the 111 would be, is there going to be a window where I can buy Kyler even cheaper? Is he one of those guys that's going to be available? Maybe not in my startup, but in my other leagues that I'm in. Haven't you found that maybe Kyler might be more available in other leagues than maybe other quarterbacks, right? Yeah, right.
1: I would think so, yeah.
0: So that's where you have to decide when you're starting to build a team. If you're building a portfolio of leagues, let's say I already have 15 leagues. Do I really want to start a team with Kyler knowing that in one of my other 15 leagues, he's probably available for trade? Like, like Pat Mahomes isn't available for trade in any league. So you, you just take him. You know, Trevor Lawrence may not be available for Trade in any of your leagues. And so it's like, if you get them in the startup, yeah, then that's where you take them. Kyler, kind of feels like, okay, out of my 15 leagues, I bet you if I win and overpaid, I could probably get Kyler for three firsts in some leagues, maybe less. I can't get other quarterbacks for that. So that's where it, it starts to make it tough for me. Do I want to start another league with Kyler? You know what I mean? Because I can probably go get shares of him in other spots. So I think that's the tier break. I think at this point, the 111 and 112, you have to decide how you want to construct your team. Do you want to turn it into a, I'm just going to take every asset that has the most value, that has the most potential to rise in value over the next six months, or even hold their value? Like, you know, there's assets in Dynasty where you draft them. They're just not going to lose value. Nothing can even really dent them, you know, at least in the short term. So this one's a tough for me. I think this is the toughest pick of the draft so far. I, I agree. I'm going to force the hand of the person that's on the turn at the one twelve and the two Oh one, because I'm going to know after their first two picks, how they're planning to build their team. And they either take two quarterbacks and then they could be the one team that gets two top 12 quarterbacks. Right. Or they, they punt quarterback. Cause they're thinking the same thing, man, I'm just not going to take quarterbacks. Cause if I take two quarterbacks and both of them are super risky, what do I really have? Nobody's gonna to want to trade for Kyler in this And it's not like I'm gonna be able to go up from Kyler to Joe Burrow. So you're just stuck with them, you know, like they better work out, or you just pissed away your first two picks. So I think I'm gonna go Jamar Chase. I think that uh sentiment is I think Jefferson's more valuable than Chase, but you know, we'll see. If you think T. Higgins is leaving, then you probably haven't seen Jamar Chase's best season. We could easily see uh, you know. A monster season because the games he did you see the numbers he of his games when Higgins doesn't play, it's like sixteen targets a game. You know, like he gets that's fed. Something so crazy. I, I think I you can pick between Chase or Jefferson, but I'm taking one of those two at this spot, and then I'm going to challenge the team on the turn how they're going to pick. So that that's where I'm doing. That's where I'm going. Jamar okay. Chase.
1: All right, so I'll take the the next two picks here for the one twelve and the two hundred one since it's the same team. Um. So I, I think with one of those picks, I, like I said, you you pretty much explained it all, too. Uh, not really taking Kyler there. I'm not comfortable with Tua either. He's there. Um, Trey Lance maybe is in consideration here for me. That'd probably be the quarterback I would take if I um, if I were going to take one, but I don't think I'm going to. I think I'm going to go ahead, and I'm just going to load up on what I think would be the two best skill players. In the draft, and I'm going to take at 112 Justin Jefferson, and then the 201 B. John Robinson. So those will be my
0: two picks. So let's do rookie picks. All right, so you go one, you go 101, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're synonymous with each other, but yeah, I, I think that's smart that you took you did that because you essentially took the there's a tier I think of three between Chase Jefferson and the 101. Right. Skill players. That those are the three. After that, yeah. it's a drop off. So, yeah. you got two of the three. Now you're committed to building your team a little differently. But now you're also hopefully kind of pushing some of the other players off the board that are going to help you get more options coming back. Like you're kind of you're kind of daring all the other teams to take quarterbacks now because if they want to, you're not really scared about the quarterbacks that they're going to take from you. Right. Like yeah, there's ones that you want, but. You know, if someone goes, Well, I'm gonna hoard the quarterbacks from Eric and they start taking the Kirk Cousins in the second or third, you're like, Okay, fine. You know what I mean? You'll just continue, you've already set yourself up to kind of pivot a different type of team. So it sucks to pick at the 112 and 201, but I think if I had to do it, I would do it what you're I would do what you're doing. Cause if you go put it this way, if you would have double tapped Kyler Murray and Tua there, there could honestly be a scenario where you end up with two fucking zeros. Yeah. And two guys nobody wants. Yeah. So now yeah. what do you have? You know and what I mean?
1: The skill player options coming back to me are definitely are going to all be the same as what everyone else is getting. Yeah, they're much. everyone's going to be picking There's the same no
0: type of receivers yeah. and running backs. So it's like you have nothing. You now have a roster with nothing on it to separate itself. And you probably hate your quarterbacks. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right,
1: right. You're
0: probably pissed off every day going, oh, man, I don't like these guys. So I'm going to. I, I think I'm probably going to be forced to take Kyler here. But this is what I did by taking Jamar Chase is I gave myself the ability to kind of go both ways. Like if you would have taken Kyler and Tua, then I'm like, sure, I'll take Jefferson. Okay. And then I have the two best receivers that are clearly in a tier above everybody else. So I'll go Kyler Murray. Um, and I, I don't hate it. Cause I, I probably would, let me ask you this. If I would have gone Kyler at 111, are you double tapping Chase Jefferson?
1: I think I would have, yeah.
0: So now I'm committed to taking a quarterback that might be out next year and then a running back on that same team where, you know how we treat running backs, as soon as they peak in value, you want to fucking get rid of them. You know, right. like, So my team isn't really set up the way that I would want. So, yeah, I'll go Kyler.
1: Okay. Uh, so I am up here at the 203, and the 110 took uh, Dak Prescott in this one. And I think on this one, I'm just going to – Um, I mean, I could go obviously with another quarterback, the skill players have just started to come off. I think if I have Dak, I want to, I want to lock him up with CD lamb. It might be a little early for CD lamb to go here, but if I got Dak and I can pair him up with CD lamb, I think I'm just going to go ahead and do it and get the stack. So I'm going to go CD lamb here. It's a two Oh three.
0: No, I don't. Honestly, I don't think it's early at all. I think it's, uh, it's a very pragmatic pick. I don't think it's early at all. I think you have to pick somebody it has to be wide receiver three, right? And he's like one of the two or three candidates to probably be there.
1: Yeah, and you have Dak, it just it makes it easy. Yep. So this one, uh, you took Trevor Lawrence last, so who yeah, this is the second
0: pick? This is a tough spot because I I definitely would have taken C D Lamb if I'm going wide receiver. I think it's probably between either AJ Brown or just for the sake of strategy, um, I learned this from Brian Malone way back in 2017. Uh, his rule of thumb, when you do startups before the rookie draft, try to come out of it with at least 30, 30% or more of your roster being draft picks. Simply because of the power of the flexibility that you get. And I always used to sit there and go, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But, you know, why, why take the draft picks? Like, like when I say I'm taking a draft pick, your train of thought is going to be, okay, would I really take... This draft pick over this 102. And you might say in an existing league, you wouldn't trade that a player that's on the board for the 102. But you can't think of it that way. It isn't just a one for one, it is a what am I foregoing by not taking a draft pick that could potentially come up in the next couple months. If I have a player, I have a player, the player could get hurt, the player could kind of flatline, people won't really want a single player. A pick is a pick. A pick, I think, has a lot more options, and the options not necessarily being what players you can draft, but what players you might be able to obtain because someone else wants a pick. So I think here is like the perfect spot. I'll just take the 102. I have no clue who I would pick at the 102 today. I wouldn't feel comfortable picking a player and being super confident in it. But I'll take the 102 just because it's like, okay, I get the first shot after Bijan of the next player off the board, whatever that might be. So 102.
1: Okay. So the next pick here, this is uh, where Lamar Jackson got selected at the 108. So here at the 205, I think I would just... I could go with the rookie pick, uh, 103. I could go with um, maybe the first tight end, another receiver. I think I'm actually going to go with... um, I think I'm going to take another quarterback. I think I feel a little bit more... Comfortable with Trey Lance. I mean, obviously, Tua hurt. Trey Lance has been hurt. Uh, Kyler was hurt. I feel a little bit more comfortable with Trey Lance since it was just just a broken ankle. Obviously, he just got the plate taken out uh, last week, too, so he should be fine for the regular season starting up. And he still has some value, and he's going to be a very good rushing quarterback. So um, if this is even a point per carry league, we didn't really say that, but if it's a point per carry league even, too, having Lamar and Trey Lance... That's huge having both of those guys. You might have him, Fields, Jalen. You know, you got two of the top four Russian quarterbacks in the league on the same team. So uh yeah, give me Trey Lance on this one.
0: Interesting. I can't I can't argue with it. I did think you might consider Kyle Pitts because that's where you're manifesting the Kyle Pitts from Lamar stack next year.
1: Yeah, but it's it's not confirmed.
0: Uh, do not I don't, even, I, don't, but... I don't
1: even know if I would even take Kyle Pitts as the first tight end, too.
0: Yeah, I, that I, I think he's one of those where you you might get in a draft and he might already be gone, and then you get in a draft where he's not going to go till the third. You know, it just depends on the room. So, yeah, I can't I can't argue with your pick. I probably would. So you're easily taking Lance over Tua at this point. Yep.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I still like Tua, but I think. Lance's rushing upside puts me above. So, all right, I mean, so this no- is where where you took Justin Fields as the next pick. So I'm guessing Byron Pringle.
0: Oh, yeah, or Equinemius St. Brown. Yeah. Get that no, stack. It's, it's interesting that uh, now that you introduced the, the risk of the concussions into Tua that clearly people now pivot to Lance because it's like Lance feels like he has a lot more room to kind of grow from a dynasty asset standpoint, and Tua is – Tua feels like as 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 safe as Tua is probably if he continues to play. It feels like after the concussion, like a third of your league is just going to be out on Tua no matter what. Like it doesn't matter what he scores. It's going to be like I don't want to take on that risk. It took the the other guys that have gotten concussions in the past of like yeah I don't want him anymore. Like
1: and I, I could argue that Lance now has the best like four weapons in the league on his team. With McCaffrey, IU, Debo, Kittle, he's got all four of those guys to to distribute the ball to. So that's another reason.
0: Yep. I think I'm going to continue with the trend. Uh, I'm going to go one Oh three here and just keep giving the, uh, the push towards the strategy of, I want to have a couple picks, even if it's, I have to pick the second QB off the board. I I'm going to have some leverage when it comes to that. So it, this is really a build thing. I can see where teams go, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do what Eric said, and I'm just going to go with one elite quarterback, and then I'm going to, to not consider quarterbacks. But again, you don't have to draft a quarterback with these rookie picks. You can always trade back. You could always trade back a slot or two and not take a quarterback. So I think it gives you that element of flexibility that you don't have if you were to take somebody like Tua or A.J. Brown. So I'll just go 103.
1: Okay. And then I'll make it easy with the Deshaun Watson team here. I'd go with the rookie pick 104. I'm at least locking myself into um, one of the quarterbacks here with that pick. Probably um, you got Levis Stroud uh, Richardson and Bryce young. I'm pretty much locking myself into one of those four, four quarterbacks here with Watson uh, over Tua. Plus you said I have flexibility. I don't have to do that. Cause maybe, maybe Tua falls to my next pick here um, in the, in round three and then I could go Watson And then take, uh, you know, best running back or best receiver, rookie receiver left, and then grab my quarterback in 305. So I'm going to go with the rookie pick 104.
0: I'm going to continue it. I'm going to go rookie pick 105. A little risky. But again, you have a whole team to build. And you can probably build slightly differently around the rookie pick. So I think a lot of people are going to question this pick and go, yeah, there's no way I would trade some of these players on the board for the one Oh five. That's not the point. Mm. The point is you're building a, you're building a team. So this is where like, maybe I'll differ from a lot of people because I'm looking at this from I'm constructing a roster. I don't necessarily care about player a versus player B because this isn't a trade. Mm. You know, like you you could say, hey, I'm going to draft this player. But again, once you have a player, it's not exactly just like what a trade calculator says. The biggest factor into trades is, is there demand for that player in your league? If there's not demand for the player at this time during the year, then it doesn't matter what their value is. Right. So I'm just going to go 105 and kind of push the board. And at some point, it's going to be a game of chicken. Like one of us has to stop taking the rookie picks, you know.
1: Right. For sure. So this that was the Justin Herbert team that he picked for uh, right there. So this is the Joe Burrow team I am picking for right now. And I'm going to play a little bit of a defense slash cock block move. And I'm going to take A.J. Brown right before the Jalen Hurts owner. So I'm going to go A.J. Brown here at the 209. And that's he's probably the next receiver to come off the board anyways. So it's it's fair value. Um with all five rookie picks going off already, that takes me out pretty, I would guess, out of the uh, second quarterback sweepstakes there for the rookies, and then I would deciding between Tua and A.J. Brown for me, so I'm going to go A.J. Brown.
0: Yep, I would have definitely taken A.J. Brown for the uh, Jalen Hurts team, so good job on Eric playing some defense there. This is a real tough spot because now you're getting into – I think kind of a flat tier of, of players. And I know we had this discussion in the discord yesterday about how maybe I or some others might view the rookie picks. I think you, I, a lot of others that follow DD or that have had these discussions with us in DD, they kind of look at the top three or four picks after Bijan as quarterbacks, right? Like we're kind of already slotting those in until otherwise noted. But I think in a lot of our leagues, it's the opposite. I think there's a lot of people that are going, eh, Bryce Young, too small. Eh, Will Levis, he stinks. Ah, Anthony Richardson, he stinks. Like, they're not penciling those guys in at 103, 104, 105, you know? They're sitting there. I mean, how how often do you hear people on podcasts or whatever? They slip and they go, oh, 102, Jameer Gibbs. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, they don't even say quarterbacks. Like, they may mention a quarterback could be there, but they're not locking in three or four quarterbacks next after Bijan, like we might be right now. Right. So I think the one Oh six presents a little bit of intrigue because there's some leagues where the one Oh six is any player that's not a quarterback and not Bijan, you know? And yeah, I mean, it's a little risky to take the wide receiver one in this class over some of the receivers that are out there. But again, the the flexibility of having that choice on the clock uh, could be big. So I'm still going to pivot away from it. I don't love the options here. So I am going to take Kyle Pitts here. Just, it's almost like taking what I think could be the 103, 104. You know, like I do think there's a path where Kyle Pitts, if they do get a quarterback, where the excitement explodes again for him. So I think now is the time to kind of just take that asset and uh, hope for the best. So I'll go Kyle Pitts.
1: Okay. And then I am up at the 211. This is the Josh Allen team. And I'm going to take Travis Kelsey here, and I'm blocking the Mahomes owner from getting Kelsey, obviously. But I also think you're getting a nice little advantage here as the Josh Allen owner against the Mahomes team. So whenever you play that Patrick Mahomes team, hey, you got his best weapon too. So you're getting all those stats um, from Mahomes to you know that Travis Kelsey would be getting too. So it's kind of a, a little bit of a defensive move plus a little bit of a strategy move for me. So I'm going to go Travis Kelsey here at the 211.
0: All right. I like it. So do I go back to back here as the Mahomes team? Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I am going to hedge my bets a little bit and I am going to take, well, you know what? I was going to say, I'm going to take a rookie pick and then I'm going to take a wide receiver, but I'm going to go for a little shock value here. So I am going to take.
1: Wow, I can't believe you're taking Kadarius Tony this high.
0: No, I'm going to take Mark Andrews. Okay. And then this is where it's tough for me because literally I know I'm going to take a receiver. But what if I don't take a receiver? What if I go Jonathan Taylor? You could. I think I'll go Jonathan Taylor there. And I'll risk it. And I'll just I'll just bank that, you know, we didn't specify if this was best ball. If this was best ball, I wouldn't hate it because you could, you know, play receiver a little bit differently. But I'm going right. to pivot. I'll go Jonathan Taylor and Mark Andrews. And this is the old, like, FFPC start where it's like, dude, I could have them top three running back, top three tight end, top three quarterback, and then, mm-hmm. you know, let's see what happens at receiver. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: so this is a tough for me. So I'll be picking again for the Josh Allen team that has Josh Allen and Kelsey. I think I'm built for win now. I know where so, you're going.
0: You going with yeah. the stack?
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the stack, even though he's probably, like, if you look at tra- keep trade cut, there's like six other receivers above him right now.
0: I consider the stack gonna... just to go against
1: the Kelsey uh, Allen right. build. Yeah. Right. That's kind of what I was thinking. You were thinking, too. So. Yeah, I think I'm just going to go with uh, with Stephon Diggs here and go with uh, Josh Allen, Travis Kelsey, Stephon Diggs. Obviously, this team is going in the win-now mode, so they're going to want some win-now pieces. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm going to go with this one, so I'm going to go with Stephon Diggs. Man. And then you're up here. This is the Jalen Hurts-Kyle Pitts team.
0: Yeah, I think I'll just continue to kind of go with what I think could be some – some insulation, asset-wise, like there's four or five receivers that you could take care and feel good about them. So I'll just take Jalen Waddle.
1: Okay, yep, that'll work. Jalen, they're Waddell, not really, honestly that.
0: I know I went silent. There's not really any explanation. Yeah. There's if I took four or five receivers I could be like fine, I can justify it. So that's I mean, pretty you, much it. You
1: got three super young assets probably at the top of their games there, Jalen, Pitts and, and Waddle. So yeah, you got three of the, the top guys there. So I like it. Uh so this one is the Joe Burrow AJ Brown team. So a little bit of a um win now team as well here, but I think Having Burrow and AJ Brown, I think this is the team where I th- I feel comfortable with what I have so far. I think I'd be willing to go with Tua Tagovailoa here, so I'm gonna go with Tua.
0: So the Tua slides ends at the 3:04. Uh,
1: yeah, 3:04.
0: 3:04. Tua slide ends. Okay.
1: Oh, let's see. So you're up now with the Justin Herbert rookie pick 105 team.
0: All right. So this is one that I'm, I'm literally just going to probably look at my portfolio to make this pick because there's literally five receivers that I would put in this range. And that doesn't include the rookie pick 106, which I think has a very good shot of having a, a, the wide receiver one in the class at that spot too. So if you sat here and you said, and again, the power of the rookie pick 106 would be whoever the wide receiver one is, I'm probably going to get to take them. I don't have to pick them now. I can wait and see which one gets the draft capital, which one gets the landing spot. I mean, hell, the rookie wide receiver one could be a guy on the chargers, you know, like that there is a 5% advantage that I can have by taking that pick over a current wide receiver. So if you took the 106 here and you said, you know what? I might get a I might get a re- receiver, that's the wide receiver one on the Chargers and it's like all of a sudden I have the stack, you know.
1: Well, and you'd have the 105 and the 106 back to back, so you could pretty much decide what you want to do there.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I didn't yeah, I I I do see now that that was the 105. Man, that reminds me of I guess a reason why I wouldn't take the 106 because I can block the player that would be picking the 106. You know what I mean? I'm going to have access to probably either the quarterback leverage or one of those receivers if I wanted. So I'll just take Garrett Wilson.
1: Okay. That's a good pick. I like Garrett there.
0: So, okay,
1: so you've got Herbert 105 and Garrett Wilson there. Now, next up is the team where I took Deshaun Watson and the rookie pick 104. So I'm pretty much going to be banking on that I have two quarterbacks there for myself so I can go with uh, whoever I think is the next best available skill position player. So looking at the wide receivers, I think it's probably uh, amon Ra, Higgins, Olave, Tyreek, someone in that range. Or could I go to running back where we've only had two go so far, really? Basically, the 101 and Bijan and Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think I'm going to go with... um, Man, it's tough here, too. Because I like like some of these running backs that are available better than the uh, the 106 rookie pick. I think I would take a couple of these guys before I would take Jameer Gibbs, who I think would fall there. Um... I think the tight ends, the top four tight ends, or the top three tight ends are gone. I'm not really interested in the fourth tight end right now. So I think tight ends off the board for me. And then looking at wide receivers, I think we're looking at Amon Ra, Higgins, Olave, I kind of mentioned earlier. Um, so I think I'm going to be looking at running back, and I think I'm going to go with Brees Hall here. I think Brees, obviously he's coming off the injuries, uh, ACL only, so that's at least that part is good. Um, it's scary taking a running back off of an ACL injury. I know it's never like the, the big thing. Um, I still like him better than Kenneth Walker a little bit. Um, there's probably not much difference between Hall and Walker. Honestly, I could argue, argue Walker over Hall by now. Um, but I just like Brees Hall. I like his upside. I like the offense that he's in the way that he was being used. Um, so I'm going to go with Brees Hall here. It's probably not the right pick, but oh, well,
0: no, it's, Again, there probably isn't right or wrong picks necessarily. It's what does your team look like once you build around the certain type of uh, roster construction. So, I mean, it is dangerous. I mean, I took Jonathan Taylor, so it is dangerous to take running backs. I think right. if you don't add a roster construct around them, one thing that I would say if I'm doing startups that I'm never going to do is I'm not going to get in a spot where it's like, okay, the best value on the board is constantly running back. Cause I don't want to build a team where I've drafted five or six running backs in the first like 15 rounds you know? And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities in certain startup rooms to where you can get running backs at a really good price. And that might be out for you if you've taken a couple early ones, you know, like if you have an anchor or two and you're in there random, randomly round 10, you're going like, I don't want to take another running back. You know, I'm going to just kind of follow with trying to get other positions. So that's the only risk of taking a running back. You have to be selective on how you're going to build around them. So with that said, I will take Chris Alave. Uh, to pair with Fields and the rookie pick 103. So I will go Chris Alave at the 307. Really same tier, I think, as Waddle, Garrett Wilson, a couple guys yeah. on the board. So just with Chris Alave next. Yep.
1: All right, so I am up here, and I am I have the uh, Lamar Jackson and Trey Lance team. So I obviously have my two quarterbacks. Going to probably be looking for whatever I think is the next best available um, rookie or uh, skill player. And the wide receivers are getting eaten up, you know. Looking at Amon-Ra, T. Higgins, Tyreek, those types as well. But I think here, I think I'm just gonna take um, Ken Walker, who I talked about with my last pick. He was, you know, in consideration there with me for Brees Hall and Ken Walker. So I don't think that's too crazy. I'm gonna go Ken Walker here.
0: So this was the team that has Lamar and Trey Lance, right?
1: Yeah, Lamar and Lance. Yep.
0: Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, I guess I'll just continue down the line. This team picked at the one Oh nine Trevor Lawrence rookie pick one Oh two, which I feel very confident about uh, getting a quarterback there. I'll get my choice. Uh, maybe I'm going to manifest the future Trevor Lawrence to T Higgins stack here. Okay. And I'm going to roll with T Higgins, not saying it's going to happen, but I think it's probably between T Higgins, Amon Ra and, either a couple other receivers that you probably can consider here too. So I'll just roll T Higgins. Cool.
1: And then next up here is the Dak and lamb team. So I got that stack already going here. So I'm looking at probably want to, I don't know if I want to double up on receiver again. Actually, I think I'm going to go with the the rookie pick one Oh six. Um, there's still things that could happen there. I could, a quarterback could fall there to me if somebody takes Gibbs above, or I could take Gibbs there. Um, or I can trade the pick and, you know, maybe get another position of, of what I'm looking for. So I think I'm going to take the rookie pick one Oh six here.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'll say this, I think it's a really decent chance, not that you're trying to do this, but there's a really che- decent chance that either Gibbs or one of the receivers that's available there could potentially even be on Dallas
1: right yeah that's true
0: like i I could see where they let pollard go and they would draft a guy like gibbs like that probably be a longer shot but i definitely could see them taking a receiver i know Ray's talked about that like mm-hmm. that's a prime team that could take you know jsn yeah, or jordan cool. addison and all of a sudden you have a triple stack and man that'd be sick
1: right yeah
0: so, I agree. Plus that, that one Oh six, I think is the swing pick to where all it takes is one or two people ahead of you to want a receiver or a Gibbs instead, or a running back instead. And you're in a spot to take the quarterback three or four. So I think that's a really like flexible pick that if I have the one Oh six or one Oh seven, I think that's actually a really decent spot because you're forcing everybody to kind of look at the board the same way as you do. And if they don't, you know, one of the quarterbacks might fall into your lap, even if you don't need them. So it's a good mm-hmm. spot to be.
1: All right, so you're up with the Jamar Chase-Kyler Murray team.
0: Yeah, this is one of those where you're probably hoping that like a guy like Tua might fall back to you or one of the rookie picks that could lock you in a quarterback, you know? Like, that's the gamble of taking Kyler as your QB1. Like, if it the board follows how we took all these picks and all the top six picks are gone, you're probably in a tough spot to try to get another quarterback here. So you could go with the one Oh seven. I know this is my last pick. So that's why I'm giving a little more analysis. You could go with the one Oh seven and just hope that you're in a position to take a QB, but I probably would pass on that knowing that the QB available to me is probably going to be kind of the ass end of the quarterbacks, you know, like I'm not going to get to choose which one I want. So I'll probably just take Amon-Ra here as the next receiver off the board. And You know, he's only 23. He's put up pretty historic numbers since like midway through his rookie year. So I'm good just taking Amon Ra. And even if my team isn't, you know, smashing right away, I'm still building with two really insulated receivers and then Kyler, hopefully healthy in 2024. So I'll just go Amon Ra.
1: Okay. And then with my last pick here, this is the Jester Jefferson, Bijan Robinson team or rookie pick 101. So, yeah, like you said, the quarterbacks left are, like, Kenny Pickett, Daniel Jones. Like, I just don't see too much of a difference there to where I could probably get one with my double tap here. Or I could just wait another round and see what comes back to me. I think I would just take another skill player. And I'm going between, you know, there's McCaffrey and Barkley at running back. And then wide receivers, we've we've taken a lot of the wide receivers, but you're still looking at Tyreek, um, D.K. Metcalf, Devontae Smith, Drake London.
0: Let me pick your brain real quick while you're talking this, because this is the last pick of the draft. Sure. You went Jefferson and Bijan, right? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would pick similar teams like that because they don't really have a choice. They, they don't want to chase quarterbacks, so they just go with the top two assets. Mm-hmm. Does that preclude you here, knowing you have Bijan already in the bag? Does that preclude you here from considering a, another running back?
1: No, it's kind of, I think, where I was leaning, honestly, was taking okay. either McCaffrey or Saquon. Um, and, was, and I'm kind of thinking, like, it might not be the quarterback that's necessarily the first one up right here, but I think I'm not going to do it since we're not doing the fourth round, but I would probably double-tap. One of the running backs and Kirk Cousins, because I have Jefferson and just get Cousins and Jefferson stack, and then I can have two elite running backs. Um, since I, I mean, I could I could go Tyreek too and have an elite wide receiver if I'm playing. I mean, on this team, if you have Bijan, you want to be on a win now team. So, may actually maybe that's I don't know if that's the play or not, or should I go with another running back?
0: The only thing that's I would say, just from the the some of the startups that I've seen. You're mm-hmm. at the, right now, you are at the I dare you point of the startup. Right. And it's the I dare you point of, okay, if you don't take a quarterback here, you also know that there could be a bunch more quarterbacks gone before you pick. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, it, you're kind of daring everybody else to take quarterbacks. You're the only team that really doesn't have a quarterback but let alone doesn't have a top 10 quarterback, right? Like you're the only right. other team. I mean, there's one other team that doesn't have a top 10 quarterback. But you're also kind of saying, okay, I'm going to dare those teams to start taking the Daniel Jones, Kenny Pickett, Kirk Cousins, Mac Jones, you know what I mean? Like you're kind mm-hmm. of daring those teams to pick those guys because you've already had to build your team a little differently. You've already had right. to go Justin Jefferson, Bijan. So it, it does feel like if you take Kirk cousins, like I think a lot of people will be tempted to double tap quarterback here because they're yeah, scared so. to miss out. But do you, are you really missing out on Kenny Pickett and Kirk cousins? You know what I mean? No, like I, think,
1: the, I think I'm just doing it just so I have Cousins and Jefferson stack. And it at least gives me some upside against like you know, the team that has Kelsey, fucking that, Diggs, and Allen.
0: Let me ask you, if you had Chase instead of Jefferson, would you consider cousins here? No. Okay. So basically it's the stack that's driving it. It's not the it's not the team build. Oh, right, right. And that, that was and, what but I, I also
1: know that Cousins isn't coming back to me in round five.
0: He's he's not. But he's one of those tough ones where it's almost like I don't want to acquire my Kirk Cousins shares in startups because he's seen as the highest valued non-elite quarterback, which means, yeah, he's not coming back to me. But the reality is if he falls off even 10%, Mm -hmm. he's in a range where he's almost replacement level. So I don't want to take him in a startup knowing that in the market of all my other leagues, he's probably a lot more available if I'm willing to pay the piper. Now, do I want to pay the piper for Kirk Cousins? Probably not. But he's available. I could go get Kirk Cousins in every one of my leagues right now. You All wouldn't right. want to pay the price. You wouldn't You wouldn't give me a discount. But if I came with the 102, I could get Kirk Cousins in every damn league. Every All league right. I could get him tomorrow if I had those picks. So I think that's in a startup where I struggle because it's like the worst thing you can do when you start Jefferson and Bijan is start chasing shitty quarterbacks. Right. So I, I almost think I'd go the other way. I'd do exactly what you said. I would go the other way. I would just draft... I would lean into the way I already started. I'd go running back receiver, young guys, you know, draft picks or receivers. Right. Or young running backs and just be like, you know what? I'm going to push it another, another two rounds. And, you know, you may not get the quarterbacks you want, but you've already kind of directed your team that way. So why yeah. it feels like it's a little bit of not a cowardly move, but it feels like you're kind of caving to the board when you just take quarterbacks there, you know? Right.
1: So at least we don't have the fourth round, and I don't have to make
0: that decision. So, I mean, if you were just just for fun, you would go with what who you take. I think
1: I think with the third round pick, I think I'm gonna go Christian McCaffrey just because this is a a win now build in my opinion, okay. with uh, Bijan McCaffrey and Jefferson. Like that's probably three of the uh, most important assets, especially if McCaffrey keeps hitting like he hits and putting up these like 20, 25 point per game seasons mm-hmm. along with Bijan, who I think has the ability to do the same thing and Justin Jefferson, who's arguably, you know, a top, the top two wide receiver in the league. So yeah, I think I would keep pushing that. And then I think honestly, I think I'd, I would be okay with reaching for Kirk Cousins there just so I could have the Cousins and Jefferson stack.
0: Okay, so let's say you didn't have cousins. or didn't you didn't have Jefferson, and you had Chase. What would you do, just for shits and giggles? If you didn't um, have the stack coming into play, you already I said you would take cousins.
1: I keep going win now, and I'd go McCaffrey and Tyreek. Okay, I think that's what I would do. I mean, yeah, I could go. Strong. I could go. I could go McCaffrey and Barkley too, and really lean into the running back thing. But we've always talked about. I don't want to have that many running backs. Like you know super stud running backs like that they just get hurt so much and we just want to have more of these receivers so I mean it's tempting to have all three of those running backs but I think I would just go with uh, with Tyreek
0: there in that case would you consider Barkley and then you you immediately try to trade Bijan
1: yeah I could definitely do that and I could probably uh, get a quarterback. Um, I mean, you might have to
0: add to it, but at least Bijan is one of those assets. He's one of the three-skill-player assets that you actually have a prayer to get a quarterback with. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you could do that and go, I'm just going Barkley-McCaffrey, and if they give me two years of dominance, then I'm still probably winning the freaking league, you know?
1: Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, I could always deal one of those guys, exactly.
0: So we're done. We're not going to go... more rounds cuz we could probably do a an 18 hour show on yeah, this but, but what's I'll, your I'll... what'd you learn from this especially on those weird spots like what did you learn by picking in that that back Yeah, half? I, I like, think I'm just Are you excited? Would you be excited to build a team from that 112 spot now? If it felt like
1: this, yeah, I think so. Especially if if my league mates are going to allow the the skill players like this to fall to me. Um I I think so, yeah.
0: Do you uh, think you and I are are, are we a little too high on these, the one hundred two through the one hundred six? Than what a typical I think so. league would yeah. be?
1: Yeah, because I, I think some of these guys would, these um, Jalen Waddles, the Wilsons, the Alaves, Brees Halls, Walkers. I think those guys would replace those picks, and these picks would fall. Um, personally,
0: yeah, I, that's what I was I was picturing because yeah, it just feels like uh, other teams would be uh, they'd be going, oh well. 104, that's that's Jordan Addison. I'd rather have Garrett Wilson because I've seen it before. You know, that type of logic.
1: Right. So, anyway. But I'll, I'll just break down the teams real quick, and, and maybe you can tell me which one you, you think is the, your favorite. Uh, so the 101 team took Mahomes, Mark Andrews, Jonathan Taylor. Pretty good start there. Uh, 102 team has Josh Allen, Travis Kelsey, Stephon Diggs. So leaning into that uh, win-now mode. Uh, we got Jalen Hurts. Kyle Pitts, Jalen Waddle, And then we have uh, Joe Burrow, A.J. Brown, and Tua Tagovailoa. Then we have the uh, 105 team, Justin Herbert. They took uh, Herbert, the 105, and Garrett Wilson. Uh, 106 team took Deshaun Watson, rookie pick 104, and Brees Hall. 107 team took Justin Fields, The 103 and Chris Olave. The 108 team took Lamar Jackson, Trey Lance, and Ken Walker. Uh, The 109 team took Trevor Lawrence, rookie pick 102, and T. Higgins. 110 team took Dak Prescott, CD Lamb, and rookie pick 106. 111 team took Jamar Chase, Kyler Murray, Amon Ross St. Brown, and the final team, Justin Jefferson, the 101 rookie pick,
0: and Christian McCaffrey.
1: So, do you have a favorite of those that you like
0: yeah on our sheet i colored them just so i could see what stands out to me Mm. so if i had to take over one of these teams and i was just simply looking for like what what team would i feel the most solid with not only contending but having the potential position i'm looking for teams that can smash but also positional advantages and insulation. I don't necessarily care as much about when now or whatever, because it's January. Right. We're so far away from the season, but I'm looking at, I mean, understanding what the current running back market is like. Anytime your team is built with a running back or multiple running backs in the early rounds, like you have to understand there's going to be some volatility, especially in some leagues that we play in. But I still look at these teams and I'm like, It's hard to not look at that Mahomes, Andrews, Jonathan Taylor team and be like, hey, I could see a path where that team just rips people, especially if that team can load up on rookie picks and wide receiver twos and threes, you know, like the quote unquote threshold receivers. You've already set the stage for your gambling on the onesie position with Taylor and with Mark Andrews. Like you're gambling on the positional advantage. if it whiffs, it whiffs. But if it hits, like you could see where that team has a top five or top three player at three positions, and then man, you better hope they don't get any you know, any of these receivers that go up a tier. You know what I mean? Like that team could be really dangerous. So I I still think I still think that might be the one that I go with. And the funny thing is, of course, that's the team at the one oh one. Like that's why you're advocating for the third round reversal, you know what I mean? Like right. there's no way you could get a team close to that at the the one twelve or the one eleven, you know? Right. So I think I'd go with that. I, I think the other one if you just look at the combination of the players, I I I kinda like the well, I like the yeah, I kinda Kelsey like the bur- one. Yeah, I I like that one, too. I kind of like the Burrow, Tua, and uh, A.J. Brown team. It's a lot. It's really risky, but, like, if Tua's just fine and comes back, like, that's the one team that you could argue. Six weeks ago, we would have said that team has two of the top eight or ten quarterbacks. Nobody else has that. And they have essentially a top five receiver, too. And they're going to be back on the clock, you know, to pick two picks in the sweet spot range of, you know, first-round rookie picks and decent receivers, you know what I mean? Mm. Or they're or they're going to get a guy like Barkley that falls in their lap or something, and it's like...
1: Well, we, we didn't talk about if it was a point-per-carry league or not, but what would you think of Lamar, Lance, Ken Walker in a point-per-carry league?
0: Yeah, I mean, if it's point-per-carry, then... I think the thing with the point-per-carry, though, we would see the running backs pushed up, you know? Yeah, probably. We'd probably see more rookie picks going off the board a little faster. The you know, the, some of the running backs, like you'd never see like Barkley going in the fourth round. He'd probably yeah. go at least in the third. So you'd yep. probably see some of the other younger running backs get drafted before the,
1: yeah, I think the receivers would fall like Olave and Garrett Wilson. T Higgins would probably fall in the round, they're four, replaceable. round.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just not as impactful, like from a flex perspective. So yeah, maybe next time we can do a, it would be cool to do like a, a point per carry and, um, you know, something different because the board is totally different. And how many times have we been in a point per carry league and you can, after three or four rounds, you can spot the idiot that doesn't know it's point per carry and takes like three receivers to start the draft. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, yeah. Yeah, Maybe
1: we can do this again in a month and maybe we'll get a guest on and have a guest join
0: us and do this with the point per carry, throw some wrinkles into the format. Yeah. I like that, but this was fun. Something like that. Yeah. What was your best team? what do you think was the, the favorite
1: I think if I had to pick, like, a favorite to win it all just for the the following year, I think I would go with the Allen-Kelsey-Diggs team. I think that would be my favorite. Because so I think you would have the top tight end and having – I you could argue Allen and Diggs is the top stack in the league. Yeah. You know, because they don't really have – he's not feeding Gabe Davis. He's not feeding Dawson Knox. He's feeding Stephon Diggs, and that's really it. So – I think that would be my favorite if I had to choose one that would win the league next year. I think i would go Allen Kelsey Diggs.
0: Yeah, again, the, my favorite was the one oh one, yours was the one so oh two. So you have you have a lot of flexibility when and, you already have Mahomes and Herbert or Mahomes and Allen locked in.
1: Yeah, and then if the one twelve team could hit on two quarterbacks, like if I did take Kirk Cousins at the four oh one and then uh, you know, my next pick, I don't know, I got Jared Goff got Justin Jefferson, B. John Robinson, Christian McCaffrey, Cousins and Jared Goff and then build my team from there on out. Like I think I think that team would have a good a good shot too.
0: Okay, so one more question for you since you made that point. What's the what's the what's the position or what's your view on where the quarterbacks drop off to the point where cuz I would argue once you get to like past Kirk Cousins, the scoring difference okay, maybe you can argue Jared Goff, Daniel Jones this year. If they can repeat what they did this year for the next three or four years, then they should have probably already been off the board. Right. You know, because they're just as good as, you know, to, you know what I mean? Like they should have already mm-hmm. been taken, but there's clearly a reason that you don't take them because you don't trust that they're going to just be what they have been this year for, you know, five more years. What's the What's the point though where you're like, okay, QB 17's already gone. Mm-hmm. I'm just taking a body at this point. Right. If I'm really drafting, you know, I, I like Mac Jones, but if I'm drafting Mac Jones, is he really any different than Jimmy Garoppolo and Jameis Winston?
1: Yeah. no. I mean, like, you just
0: don't know if those, where those guys are starting and if they're going to start. That's the only difference, you know?
1: Yeah. The next four off the board are Pickett, Daniel Jones, Goff, Cousins, and Mac Jones. That'd be the next five. Um, you still got to throw i mean as much as people are dogging on him right now you, you still got to consider russell wilson ab- right with these guys
0: i think russ rodgers and carr are getting shit on but i think they're yeah. probably like the next three quarterbacks like i i'm pretty sure they're starters until they're not you know what i mean yeah.
1: like i'm still taking i'm still taking russell wilson above Pickett, daniel jones goff i'm still taking russell wilson above those guys yep. cousins i think i i think i could talk myself into cousins over wilson if i had jefferson um, like, I don't think it's that much of a difference t- for for me to, to just go, oh, no, I got to take Russ over Cousins. But I think um, I think that's where I would be at, yeah.
0: I mean, think about this, though. Let's say you, on that turn you went Bichon and McCaffrey, or you went McCaffrey and Barkley, right? Right. Then in a month you turn around and trade Bichon for A.J. Brown and a future first. Mm-hmm. And then you wait, and you wait, and then in round five and six on your turn, you get Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. That's right. a team that can smash. Yeah, for sure. You know, you've literally gotten A.J. Brown, Jefferson, Barkley, McCaffrey, Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and an extra first.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: You know, like like, and, and the extra first is just insurance. Okay, I mean, if I if Rogers or Russell Wilson shits the bed or something happens, then I have an extra pick to move around for a quarterback. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like yep. that might be the way Makes to play sense. it because I, there are going to be people in startups that they just don't want the quarterbacks here. And they're going to keep taking, they're going to be taking fucking the Kadarius Tonys of the world before they are taking quarterback 22. Cause quarterback 22 is a dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. So it's interesting on those, those, those bad spots, like you can kind of build a unique team. So I think if I'm doing any snake drafts and I get a later pick, I may do kind of what you did and just use this as a chance to build a different type of squad than what I'm going to have in my other 40 leagues, you know?
1: Right. Yep. That's kind of what was what I was going for with it. So that's cool. All right. We ready to play uh, America's favorite game and then we'll head on out.
0: Yeah, wasn't sure we were going to do America's favorite game because this hasn't been America's or Eric's favorite week. So, yeah, but we're here. Right. Let's do it.
1: All right. So the one I came up with, uh, thinking about it at work last night, what is your favorite uh, college football bowl game championship game of all time? Or one that one that's the uh, most memorable. Your favorite, whatever.
0: Favorite man. Well there's three of them that come to mind and i i don't have any rooting interest but you gotta say the the texas usc game right was still one of the greatest ones just from a, I vividly remember that i was really into college football at that time that was at the height of my like ncaa yep. football playing days so like same i yep. watched i watched college football religiously that was to where it was like i'm DVRing every game and all that kind of stuff. So I just remember following that. And it was amazing how people still really didn't even give Texas a chance.
1: Yeah. yeah like honestly. They were,
0: you know, a touchdown underdog or more. And you're like, wow, like they had an undefeated team. And, you know, that was the same year. I mean, obviously I went to Ohio State at the time. So that was the same year they were uh, came to came to a, the horseshoe and won. And I, I went to that game and it was still like the best live game I've ever been to. Yeah, and it was like, wow, Texas is good. So getting to see that team go basically wire to wire and you know get to the championship was pretty cool. So I will say that one um, is up there. I one of the funnest games I remember watching was the Oklahoma Boise State game yeah. where they ran all the trick plays. Me and so that was locked up so far. That's another bowl game that was fun that just. With the at Statue the time, of
1: Liberty play with uh, Jared Zabransky
0: and I forget the running back's name. Ian Johnson Ian proposed Johnson. to his girlfriend after the game. Yep. Yeah. Never forget that. Okay. But yeah, that was one of those where it was like now if you saw that type of upset, it's no big deal. I mean, Tulane just beat USC, you know what I mean? But like right. at that point, it was kind of like a big deal to see like a, a small school beat a, a big team in a bowl game like that. Now it'd be like, yeah, with NIL and everything, like it's no big deal. It happens every year, like big upsets like that. So that one was there. I the the third one's tough because there's a lot of them that are coming to my mind. But man, I'm gonna have to think on that one. There's like six that I'm trying to think of. So I'll decide. You go first, then I'll I'll chime in with my third one.
1: I think I think my favorite one that I watched is is what you mentioned already, USC Texas. There was just so much hype on that game. Like Literally, Leinert, Reggie Bush, Vince Young; those dudes were rock stars in college football. Like they were almost as like bigger than NFL players at that point. Kind of just the, the way that everything was going. Um, so yeah, that game definitely sticks in my mind as one of the best games I've ever seen. Just uh, two of the best teams I've ever seen too. So that was that was one of them. Uh, you mentioned the Oklahoma uh, Boise State game. That was just a wild ass game. For sure, I remember watching that. And then the other big one that comes to me is, I'm just going to have let my fandom come out a little bit, was the Ohio State versus the U Miami championship game. Um, obviously, uh, they threw the, uh, Craig Krenzel threw the interception. Maurice Colette ran him down and stripped the ball and got the ball back. And that basically got us um, enough there to win it. Willis McGahee's nasty-ass knee injury in that game. Uh, I mean, Claret just battled us back. Craig, you know, Craig Krenzel, who didn't really do shit in the NFL, he did play a little bit, but, you know, led us to a national championship. So, and that's my only, uh, my only title that I really claim, you know, as being like an Ohio fan, like just like Cleveland stuff and, uh, college football and all that. So, yeah, that's, uh, really my own, my only one that, that I've, uh, you know, really, really cared about so that one was cool. I had um, my favorite player on that team was Mike Doss, the safety. He went play with the Colts. I went. I had his Colts jersey and all that. Um, so that was one of my favorite players growing up was Mike Doss. He was awesome. He was one of the uh, captains on that team. So yeah, those are uh, probably two of my or three of my uh, favorite bowl games. I'm trying to think of any others too that come off the top of my head that were really good. Obviously, the other um, Ohio State. Um, oregon uh national championship game where ohio state just beat the brakes off of oregon with uh, zeke Elliott. cardale jones was the starter the third string quarterback um that's another one that comes to my mind but that's probably not for uh non-ohio state fans
0: yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna throw two out there so obviously the um i i didn't know he would be a Bengal, but it was the the borough game against oklahoma a couple of years ago in the semifinal, where he lit them up six touchdowns yep. i mean that was still maybe one of the best like passing performances from a quarterback in a big game you know what i mean it was just like for sure yep. they're literally not a single mistake and then you look in hindsight you go back and watch the highlights of that game justin jefferson scored four touchdowns at the time you're like oh justin jefferson you know he's he's good, but you never, you just didn't really probably appreciate that team to where I know we've talked a lot about that team, but like, literally you could go, that team could literally have like three hall of famers. Right. You know? So like that game, I'll never forget watching that going like, man, like that's, this might be the greatest offense. That was right at the point where it was like, this is the greatest offense in college history. Oh yeah. You know, like it, it might be, you know, after yeah. that game, the other one, I'll say this cause I worked at Ohio state at the time and I'm not an Ohio state fan you know, this, yep. so I don't like Ohio state, but yet I'm from here. I live in Columbus. So it's like, I, I have like this weird affinity with the Buckeyes. I usually root against them to be quite honest. And a lot of times I root against them because all the assholes that I live around, <laughs> right. like I just want them to experience misery, you know? <laughs> so I mean, I was working at Ohio state, taking classes at Ohio state at the time, but I'll, I'll never forget how humbling it was going back to school After the Troy Smith Heisman. And then they just got murdered by Florida. Yeah. They returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. And then I think Florida had 41 unanswered points or 34 unanswered points or something like that in the game. Yeah. And I think they went up like 30. It was either 34-7 or 34-14 in the game. But it was like no one expected that. You know what I mean? Because like Florida was good, but Florida wasn't. Like they weren't the same team that they they, ended up. Yeah, they
1: didn't have this explosive offense that Ohio State had.
0: They they did because the week
1: the week before was the uh, Ohio State Michigan one versus two game, basically. um, For uh, it was like the Mike Hart, Mike Hart, Chad Henney team, I believe, and against the Troy Smith, Ted Ginn, Anthony Gonzalez, Antonio Pittman. um, All those guys were on Ohio State. And that was like yeah, a it like was, 42-39 final or something like that.
0: Yeah, it was um, It was just that that game where it was like, it just kind of came out of nowhere, you know, and then people got back to campus and it was like, everyone was really, really humbled in that game. And I'll, then I'll never forget all the stories about Troy Smith. You know, you heard the stories about Troy Smith. He got lazy after winning the Heisman and gained like 20 pounds and you know what I mean, like right. kind of packed it in. But yeah, that that game was one of those where, you know, it started, that's what started the Ohio State hates the SEC. And they've literally hated the SEC for like 20 years since almost. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the kick in the balls was the Ohio State got beat by Florida in the basketball championship shortly after that. Yeah. The Greg Odin and Mike Conley team lost. And so that pissed people yeah. off even more because it was like, man, we can't beat Florida. So at the time, I mean, honestly... Florida won the football national title and they won back-to-back college basketball titles. Like you'll never see that again, where a team wins literally three titles in that short of a span. You know, so
1: yeah, you better hope your uh, Calipari buys you guys a quarterback and a running back and an offensive line. Maybe that could happen again.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, probably not. (laughs) I don't think you'll you'll never see that in where a a team wins three national titles in in a span of like two calendar years like that. So it's not going to happen. But yeah.
1: Yeah, because it's, it's it's really hard to have, like, a super good football and basketball team at the same time. It's, like, either one or the other. Um, so it's kind of hard well, to have them both.
0: It, and that's the funny thing is Florida at the time had a dominant football team, but then they shortly lost Irvin Meyer a couple of years later. Yeah. But their basketball program was, like, at the peak of, you know, they were one of these teams that's not a basketball school, but they ran into a, you know, like a five-year window where they dominated in basketball. So, yeah. Like, you just, it, it's hard to have them actually fire like that at the same time. So, yeah, that, that definitely fueled the, ever since then, everybody I know that likes Ohio State, they hated the SEC. And it started with those years. It started right. with those Florida losses. And after right. that, it was, it was LSU. It's been Alabama, you know, it's Georgia. Like, it's yeah, just. Like,
1: that, that's the one, that's one of the ones that, that pisses me off too. I think, was it the Matt Flynn LSU team that fucking beat us? It was some 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 like just shitty quarterback at LSU just whooped our ass. I forget who it was. I wanna say it was Matt Flynn.
0: I don't remember though. Yeah, I don't remember either. I have to go back and look. But yeah, it's 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 just funny to see the the disdain for the SEC around here. And it's you know, it's rude. I know they lost to uh there's been other times where Ohio State basketball has lost to SEC teams and it's just like every time they play an SEC team they're just pissed. So anyway, that's where it started. That's a fun story.
1: Yeah, so I just I just looked it up. They lost thirty eight to twenty four. Matt Flynn was the uh, LSU quarterback, one hundred seventy four yards and four touchdowns. Do you remember who the the running back and the lead receiver were were on LSU? Give me the year. Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. So the Ohio State quarterback was Todd Beckman or Boakman. Yep, don't I remember that. that. Yep. Beanie Wells was the leading running back. Hartline, Brandon Sain, they only had f- completed 15 passes of receivers. Six to Hartline, three to Brandon Sain, five to Robisky, one to Ray Small. Wow! But I was just curious if you remember who the lead running back and lead receiver were for uh, LSU that year. Hmm.
0: I probably could think of the running back. Yeah, because that was the same... That was the LSU team that backed into the title game. Yep. And they beat they that was the team Kentucky beat LSU that year.
1: I think LSU beat maybe I think it was Colt McCoy's Texas team maybe.
0: Uh, I don't remember, but that was the year. I, I just remember that was the year Kentucky beat LSU in the overtime. That was the. Stevie Johnson, Andre Woodson team that beat LSU that season. Nice. I'm trying to think who the running back was on that team because I remember some of the play some of the players on that team. Okay. Um, LSU receiver because that was before Landry and Odell. Yep. It was like two years before those guys. One.
1: One of these. This guy wasn't the leading receiver in this game, but he did catch a touchdown. But he is a former Bengal. I'll give you that. One of the receivers, former Bengal.
0: Oh uh, man. Hmm. When did he play for the Bengals? Um. Oh, I, I I remember one. I remember one of the running back or one of the. Uh, Receivers, because I remember he had a he had a touchdown in the Kentucky game. They had the little dude, Trendon Holiday.
1: Yeah, they had Holiday. He was one of the res, uh, receivers, but he wasn't like one of the leading ones. Who was game. the former
0: Bengal? Because I know he didn't play for the Bengals. Uh, I'm
1: seeing if he uh, if it gives me like his career stats. So he played with the Bengals in 2016 and
0: 2017. Wow. 2016 and 2017.
1: Yeah, so it was later in
0: his career, obviously. Oh, I got it. Brandon Lafell. Yep. You got Brandon it. Brandon Lafell, because I, I hated him on the Bengals. He sucked.
1: <laughs> yep. So he was one of the leading uh receivers. He was a running those. back.
0: I the cannot think back, of that Might my... He I think
1: he played in the NFL maybe one or one year. Let me look at that two stats.
0: That's probably why uh, he, can't he played. A he
1: played in the league for five years, but he wasn't like a running back. He was more of a fullback. Maybe that'll give you the hint. No, I can't think of it. He played with San Diego and then Denver for one year before he called it quits.
0: Can't think of it.
1: Jacob Hester. Oh yeah, I
0: remember Jacob. Jacob Hester.
1: And then the leading receiver was Early
0: Doucette. Early Doucette. I remember that name.
1: And then in this game, Richard Dixon caught two touchdowns. I have never heard of him. Richard Dixon.
0: I've heard of Richard Dixon. Yeah, he caught two touchdowns. But but... I, I remember that name, but yeah, blast from the I past. Just... I can't believe that's 15 years ago.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Matt Flynn. Oh. All right. Well, that is it for uh, for this week, then. Um, I am at Eric Vanek NFL on Twitter, and you can follow the show at America's Game Pod on Twitter as well. Make sure you guys join the Patreon, all gas. Um, Patreon.com uh, slash all gas. make sure you join that. Uh, Scott's uh, Dynasty and Chill Patreon as well. Make sure you guys check that out. Lots of good conversations going on there, especially now that it's the off-season. Uh, We're debriefing, going over stuff, talking out, you know, what are we going to do for next year? So now is, like, a good time to, like, get in on that stuff and get the head start on it. Uh, Ray, also on the uh, Patreon, is doing some... Uh, running back film reviews right now. I haven't been able to uh, watch them yet, but they're always fantastic. You'll fall in love with players um, and learn about them all draft process. array really gets you um, started there. So that's a good place to start. So make sure you guys go there. And then Scott, what do you got uh, coming up on Destination Dynasty on Monday?
0: Yeah, well, on uh, we're actually doing the live stream on Sunday night. So if you're listening to this before Sunday, seven forty-five p.m. Eastern, I'll be live streaming on the DD channel. So it's really just going to be like what you said. It's going to be a debrief. Uh, I'll take questions on any of the prior shows that I've done. Um, I have a one topic that I'm going to bring there, just you know, to kind of do a like an icebreaker topic. But really, it's going to be uh, probably just a short. There's going to be a Sunday night game, so depending on how impactful that is, I'm sure people might want to go watch the Lions-Packers game, especially if there's a playoff spot on the line for both teams. Um, so probably like a 45-minute live stream, but it'll just be a, you know, a live stream, like a debrief Q and A uh, back and forth. Um, you know, I had said I'll do live streaming in the off season just because there's more time to kind of sit there and interact versus try to come up with like a, you know, an evergreen topic to talk about so yeah, I'm going to start doing these maybe not every week, but pretty frequently. I'm just doing like Sunday night live streams where there's nothing going on in dynasty. Just kind of talk about the current landscape of stuff and different topics. So yep. 745 Eastern on the DD feed, check it out on YouTube. It'll be put on the podcast feed uh, afterwards. So I'll edit it and throw it in the podcast feed, but it'll definitely be a live stream. So i will have a more of like an interaction, uh, feel to it. So yeah, check that out if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel and, uh, yeah, everything Eric said. Um, one thing that's cool about the – I want to give Ray a plug with the uh, the film breakdown stuff is I missed last night's film breakdown, but I was able to jump in right at the end and jump into the Q&A. And Ray does a Q&A on you know, not just the player that he talked about, but just kind of a general Q&A from a Dynasty perspective. And I, I think Ray's really good at being able to articulate, hey, like he even said something at the end of that yesterday was – just because i say a player is x y and z on film doesn't really have anything to do with like where i would draft them and that was kind of a revelation to me because i think a lot of times we pigeonhole people that are like film analysts as like they don't really understand like the dynasty values and stuff so i'm just want to give ray a quick shout out for that good stuff and uh with that we'll go ahead and end the show until next week